0: and data and analytics so if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions do check out the school of marketing website for more All already for now enjoy the show
1: welcome everybody to the show um this we're turning the tables a little bit today so everybody will know that russell has spent a lifetime in reporting and journalism ask, asking the questions and this time uh No pressure on Richie and I, but it's us who need to ask the sort of semi-intelligent questions to try and even match a a fraction of what Russell has has achieved. Um, uh, So a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous today, Russell, but uh, I'm sure you'll be kind on us. So, um, but no, I mean, not not to understate it, uh, it's fabulous to have Russell on because Russell is sort of the epitome of the marketing industry. Uh, He's editor-in-chief in in Marketing Week and the Festival of Marketing, which um, means he's the lead of the UK's most prominent marketing title and, and event He's uh, also done many other things as well. And he's also a podcaster. He um, spent 12 years at Marketing Week, but always been in journalism as a head. And he's had a, he's had a couple of pretty key accolades. Um, in 2017, he won the British Society of Magazine Editors New Editor of the Year Award and also the Brand of the Year Award in 2017. And I have to say, Russell has very, very generously supported the School of Marketing and indeed the Sprintathon recently. So he's, uh, I think, somebody with a very kind heart who sees the bigger picture. And so what I did just actually, Russell, you wouldn't have known this, I asked a couple of people what what they they think about you um, in preparation for this interview. So I asked Suki, who obviously you know very well, and Suki said, Russell has a forensic love of marketing, a desire to bring the magic and logic of the industry together, and a passion to call out the brilliant people in it. And then I also asked Richard Robinson, and he said, Russell is the voice of the marketing industry. He sets the tone and pace of what we think of as marketing and stands for something higher than any one brand campaign or strategy, that might temporarily be in the spotlight. He's also got a big, bushy beard, underneath which is a person who cares deeply about the people who work in the industry and the customers we serve every day of our of every week. So, Russell, uh, you're uh, a very humble, well liked professional in the industry, and so it's a great pleasure to have you on. And I'm sure our thank guests are going to love having you on. Thank you, Russell.
2: It's a great pleasure to be here, and um, and thank you, everybody. Uh, the hearty and doughty souls that joined us uh, this morning—I'm um, I'm tearing up at that introduction. Um, that's 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 remarkable, and thank you to Suki and Richard for such kind words.
0: Sarah well, Russell, just to, to echo some of that sentiment, I've got to say that you know one of my highlights of being a marketer and uh, and kicking off the School of Marketing was getting to know you and your team, and then the support that you guys gave us certainly. Throughout this journey that we we are currently on is um is something that's uh, definitely noteworthy as well and and really really appreciated um, and I think it just speaks wonders you know just about the the ethos of both yourself your team and as, as well as marketing we can what you guys are really all about um, you know really trying to to um, highlight some of the the great things that are happening across the industry and and individuals within it so thank you for your part to play in that.
2: And the School of Marketing, sorry to interrupt, is about the easiest uh, decision that I think I ever had as, uh, as as editor of Marketing Week, because what you're doing is both absolutely necessary and incredibly worthwhile. So um, I accept your thanks, but it's thanks to you uh, that uh, the School of Marketing exists and is thriving.
0: Awesome. But look, this is where the bromance ends. Okay. I know, I know, Coming, I'm on. going to get you some hard-hitting questions and get this really kicked off. Okay, let's, let's, let's kick into this, Russell. So um, tell me, of course, uh, we were just talking about the plethora of, of meetings and trauma and figuring out how you rebalance yourself in this new sort of way in the world. How are you coping with it, Russell? How am I rebalancing?
2: Um, well, we were just talking before we uh, went live as it were uh, about uh, readjusting to working life it's been it's remarkable to think how far the pendulum has swung from what we just did which is essentially go to the office every day uh, to what we had to do by necessity and now returning it just it just throws up all sorts of challenges actually being in the office and trying to define and understand what it means to be with people and what the value of that actually is because we've all gotten used our entire week has been determined by where we work and it's full it's full of zoom calls it's full of constant check-ins which are all very valuable um in large part necessary but not entirely but to kind of building all those other wonderful things which is you know meeting people as a journalist as an editor it's the lifeblood of what i do is building relationships with people finding out what the issues and challenges are and that's best done in person also the effectiveness of what we do as a brand is better served by you know, workshops and brainstorms etc um, and doing that in person but at the same time, there's this sense that if you're doing that, then you're perhaps not as productive as you've, as you've learned to be over the last two years. Anyway, anybody got any advice on how you transition back to hybrid working? I don't have the answers. So if anybody else does, please give us a shout.
0: Some stuff in the chat, guys. Here we go. Help Russell out. <laughs> so, um, yeah,
1: so we're all trying to make sense of it all. Uh, you mentioned you did Hackney Half Marathon last weekend. Uh, congratulations on that. I've got no idea if you've run one or hundreds, but is is running part of the how how you make sense of the madness of the world?
2: <laughs> um, I suppose actually no running. I, listen, I'm I'm about the least qualified person to give you a, a, the lowdown on the the virtues and values of of, of running. Um, a lot of the time when I'm running, I'm just concentrating on well getting through and getting home. Um, I'm not you know I'm a man in his late 40s I'm not particularly um, uh, sprightly shall we say but it is one of those things that clears the mind um, it does empty uh, to a degree and perhaps gives you a greater sense of clarity um, over any challenges or issues or whether or not you're going to make this for dinner or not so it does help actually I mean one of the um, things that uh, I have, I suppose, suffered from uh, or did suffer from during uh, lockdown, particularly those early days, was 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 an anxiousness, anxiety. Um, I never realised I was as anxious a person as I proved to be. I mean, I can sort of smile about it a little bit now, but um, at the time, the, the lengths I would go to just to avoid people, I became a little bit scared of people. I'm sure lots of people were in the same scenario, but to kind of link that to running, running did allow perhaps to relieve some of that anxiety and does relieve some of that stress. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, um, just to say, Russell, I don't know if you've read it already, but I, I'm a bit of a runner, but again, no great shakes, but there's a book called Born to Run, which you may have come across, which is which talks about our evolutionary biology and why we are literally born to run. Um, but also, you know, there's sort of the, the then side of it all. But I um, no, um, appreciate you talking openly about Anxiety, because I think it's, it's true. You know, we've all been through a lot of a, a roller coaster. But um, back, back to you, Richie.
0: Hey, no, not at all. I'm just just picking up on uh, what Keith says. So, getting through and getting home is a good metaphor for all challenges. You um, Russell. What, what's your, What was your journey into journalism? Uh, ooh,
2: my journey into journalism. Um, it was a late entry into journalism. I, I, I didn't actually become a journalist until my early 30s Um, I suppose my journey began when I was uh, I suppose in my teens uh, in terms of journalism journalism you know when, when you're asked what do you want to do when you grow up my answer was I wanted to be a journalist and that was born from an obsession with magazines when I was younger I brought props can I just show you some of them it's magazines like this Hey. Uh, a 1985 issue of uh, of Smash Hits and then latterly uh NME with the Stone Roses on the front cover yeah. there from 1989. Um, now, I was obsessed by the writers in those as well as the artists that they were featuring, but the writing and the style and this sense of, you know, that, that journalists could get to the heart of the matter, etc. So I did want to become a journalist, but then... You know, late teens happened. Um, I had a little bit too good a time, I think, perhaps when I was doing my A-levels. I kind of drifted through the majority of my 20s. I didn't become a journalist, is what I'm telling you. I did all sorts of things. I wouldn't even garland by calling them a career. But then, having moved to London and been here a couple of years, I decided one day, you know what, I'm going to do that thing I always said that I was what I wanted to do when I was younger, and that's be a journalist. So I, uh, I packed in whatever I was doing work-wise, went back to college, did a course, offered myself up to uh, every local newspaper um, uh, for work experience, worked as hard as I think I probably ever have uh, by doing a course in my early 30s um, and also, as I say, doing a lot of free work and then became a journalist so it it was a you know, a late career choice but um it basically satisfied what I said it wanted to do and what fired me up when I was younger but just never got around to doing it
1: lovely story and, and it's a great um representation of how many people fall into their jobs not least in the marketing industry but for many is a is of course a, a happy accident um so, so Russell um it's ha- very many times before lockdown Oh, by the way, you've absolutely nailed it in terms of the best props that any guest has ever bought.
2: Yeah. Oh, I have more. I have, hundreds. I have hundreds of these things.
1: OK, that was enough. But it was great whilst it lasted. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, when, when you and I have been at industry events, uh, I'm a bit of a managed introvert, uh, truth be known, and a bit shy. And I don't I don't really thrive on a room of people I don't know. I love a room of people that I do know, but not a room of people I don't. And, and quite often we've just been chewing the fat, sat at the back quietly. Um, and so it was interesting you say that, that your lifeblood is the relationships that you build. So I'm interested to know about, are you, are you introvert, extrovert? How do you deal with the fact that you you know, you know, have to front up to some big egos, some big names, some big people? How, how does that conundrum work?
2: Oh, goodness. Am I an introvert or an extrovert? I suppose it depends. Um, I mean, personally, I think we all want to just sort of be left alone on occasion. And just certainly as you perhaps get older you become um I wouldn't say I'm a misanthrope but certainly you know I like my own time and that of my uh the company of my family but I mean professionally it's something that I had to learn really it doesn't really come naturally to every, uh to to anybody I don't think I mean apart from they're supremely confident or very drunk maybe I don't know but um I, you know it it, it it, I mean, I always say this to uh, to new reporters, people who come onto my team, that it isn't a natural state of affairs. Is 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 entering a room and and going up to people that you don't know. Of course, there's an anxiety and, and nervousness around doing it, but you kind of you have to do it for the, some of the reasons I mentioned earlier. It is the lifeblood of what you do. So I guess it's learned behavior. It's not something that I, I I'm not an innately confident person. I mean, my partner um, Jane. I don't know why I'm pointing it to her, She's in the other room, um, but um, she—it's uh, it, it, uh, when she's heard me doing these things, she's she's kind of gobsmacked because <laughs> that's not the person that she knows. Um, and it's uh, you know, she hears me doing a festival of marketing session at home or or a podcast or whatever. You know, so it's learned behavior, but it's absolutely necessary, as I say. Um, um, it, I, I guess you just. Get dish yourself down and do it. But I mean, confidence comes from just doing something and then doing it reasonably well, getting told that you're doing it reasonably well, people enjoying what you do.
0: Russell, so I want to pick up on something that you you sort of just alluded to there. Um, and sort of reflecting on on a talk that we did with Seth Gordon a few months ago now, and he talked about the the fact that You know, people have this mantra, particularly in marketing, that, uh, you know, bring your authentic self to work and bring your whole self to work. And he was actually quite damning of that concept, saying that it's just not possible, right? All of us have our little sides that we need to kind of bear and bring at different points in a different context that we're in at work and probably at home as well. I just want to get your reflections on that, particularly when you said that, you know, Jane kind of sees you as a different man when you're on the professional stage, as it were. Um, do you feel you can be yourself um, when, in, in the context of of doing these events and in, in industry, and when you're out and about talking to marketers? Uh,
2: I, I, I think I probably agree with uh, Seth Godin there a little bit. I've never really understood. I'm not. I'm not dissing people who talk about bringing your whole self to work, but frankly, if I did, with all my foibles and failings and occasional grumpiness when I finish work. I would be a nightmare to work with so actually I think I should leave a large dollop of myself um, at home or in another room in this house Um, so I'm not sure really I I mean I I see the you know you obviously have to embrace people's individual idiosyncrasies and traits and respect their what they can bring to the table as individuals at work and all of that is absolutely uh, necessary but in terms of i guess i do have a different persona um i hope gen, gen- generally i'm a nice p- person and the best of me is reflected at home as well as it is at work but yeah there is a you know this i'm not acting and this is not a performance this is me that you're talking to but there is there there is a work me and then there's a home me and um i think that's fine Uh thank
0: you for sharing that brother Wilson.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great nuance that it's not a performance, but of course there are subtleties. And you know, uh, we, everyone has the expression "allow people, to, everyone to be the best versions of themselves at work." But I think um, you know it, we all have our rough edges, and that wouldn't be <laughs> helpful to bring to bring them all through at all the at all times. I, I'm ju- I'm just interested about the uh, you really got going in journalism in, in your 30s, uh, and so I'm I'm intre- I am interested to know a little bit more about your 20s and and. Maybe yeah. sort of, some of the things you learned and that have stood in good stead for everything since?
2: Oh, I'm not sure I learned a great deal. I mean, when I left, um, I, I, I think, uh, to, to use that word, journey, I feel like I'm a reality TV show contestant when I when I say that. But um, I, think, I think if there's a trait, it's about getting around to doing things quite late. Uh, when I left, uh, I did A-levels in the late 80s, early 90s, and perhaps had too good a time going to a you know, for those perhaps over 40 might remember that there was an explosion in club culture. Let's not go too deep into what that meant, but it meant quite a lot of late nights and quite a lot of good fun that was had. So I didn't really do very well in my A-levels, which meant that I, and I didn't even consider going to university. And it just wasn't a thing, um, perhaps born from the fact that, that nobody else in my family had ever been to university. Um, therefore, there wasn't a precedent set. So I, did, I didn't go, um, and and then I went to work in a supermarket because I was full-time, because I was working there part-time. I was dairy manager. There you go. That was what I did. And then I went to university about, goodness, um, about three years after I did my A-levels. Again, having realised maybe it's about time that I grew up, did that. And then, as I say, didn't really have a plan. I didn't have a plan of what it was I wanted to do. I mean, some of that is just born from apathy. Um, I'm Generation X, so, you know, anybody who's read D- Douglas cookland growing up in the 90s, there was apathy everywhere. Um, so you know, it was just a, a tale of, it wasn't even false starts or, or, or active choices, it was just a little bit of, okay, I'll do that next, I'll do that next. And then, as I say, perhaps it was, I grew up in Leeds, by the way, moved down to London, sort of Dick Whittington style uh, to make my fortune. That, that wasn't the case, by the way. I also drifted in London for a couple of years, but then just suddenly woke up. It was almost a Damacy moment thinking, you know what? I'm going to take control of what it is that I do and do that thing, like I said, that I wanted to do uh, and I referenced earlier. Um, that's it. So there is isn't no- <laughs> journey is more drifting than journey.
0: Well, I I, 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 I love that. And, and by the way, you know, maybe maybe in your memoirs it's dairy manager to editor-in-chief you know something there's something yeah there. yeah yeah um, but the lessons but I could tell you from...
1: Russell on headlines <laughs> no, that's a good idea that's
0: true enough yeah but I'm, my I'm, journey
2: from the dairy aisle in safeway remember safeway
0: well yeah of course I do absolutely in the town that I moved to in uh, in the rural Scotland there was a the safeway was the highlight of the town trust me I spent many an hour there walking down those aisles it was the the only thing to do really more than anything but um, you know we have something else in common, I guess, Russell. Because I was a bit of a, a, a pivoter in my 30s as well, and kind of got on this track that I'm on now um, in my 30s too. So kind of really trying to give up one thing and 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 move to something completely different. So a little bit of uh, you know a bit a bit of that I can kind of relate to in that in that sense of one day waking up and feeling a bit of a moment of got to do things that I really want to do and enjoy. Yeah.
2: If I could impart any advice and I'm perhaps not, I'm absolutely not the right person to impart career advice to anybody, but it is just, you know, sometimes all of those, all of that drifting, all of that indecision um, is ultimately kind of worth it because you realize that you don't want to go back to that because a, that's no fun. You don't have a sense of purpose or momentum um, until you make an active decision. And that's what I ultimately did. And that set me uh, on a
0: on a better journey, shall we
2: say, to use that word.
0: Sure. I, I, but it's just a bit of a follow-up, really. I mean, I'm sure when you were going down, sitting there in the, in the cool light of day, trying to think about you know that, that moment in time, I'm going to follow my dream and, and, and go into journalism. And then you went in marketing. I mean, clearly, how did that then happen, right? Like journalism, I get. You know, it, it feels like to me, working for the New Yorker Financial Times seems like, an obvious obvious gig. But then (laughs) marketing, how did that happen?
2: (laughs) Oh, man, there's going to be a pattern here, isn't there? Um, Because the way I'm going about to... uh, Listen, if if I'd have had my choice and it had still been going or an actual thing, I would have probably gone and worked for Smash Hits or maybe even NME. But at at New York Times, it's not like I could have decided I was going to go work for the New York Times, Richie. I have some skills, but I'm never going to be uh, able to say confidently that uh, i have enough about me as a journalist to go work for the new york times but bless you for saying it um but uh i've said i've mentioned sort of drifting into things a couple of times and i'm afraid that is the case with marketing week as well not quite perhaps but um li- listen i started my uh uh paid journalism career um uh, as say, in the in the noughties. Um, and then, as everybody watching will uh, remember, there was a financial crash in 2008, 2009, and the world uh, spun out of control, and lots of people were made redundant, including myself. So I was working for a title at Central, which publishes Marketing Week, um, called mad.co.uk. Some people might remember it. It was an early online only marketing advertising and design brand anyway i was made redundant from that 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 went and was folded um, so i needed a job and um i uh i applied for a job at marketing week got given the job at marketing week but decided that i didn't want that job at marketing week um, i'm not quite sure why and um, so i went off to work for a travel uh, magazine called travel trade gazette then uh was invited back Uh, to Centaur uh, to work again for mad.co.uk because it had been resurrected as an aggregator. Then about three months after, uh, the powers that be decided that that was no longer a good idea. So I was made redundant again, or that position was made redundant. Marketing week was still there, um, still a a shining light, a a flagship brand of Centaur. Uh, It needed people. So I applied. And I thought to myself, I did have a few offers. So it was a, it was a decision of sorts. Uh, marketing, I suppose, is one of those things that um, my mum might recognise as a thing. So I decided that Marketing Week was uh, the right way to go. But again, it was one of those, I hope I've just conveyed that it wasn't necessarily Marketing Week was the brand that I wanted to work at. It became the brand that I wanted to be part of and be an active uh, part of and ultimately leading. But I'm not going to pretend it was the pinnacle, the thing that I was aiming for. Sorry, that's a really long answer to a pretty straightforward question.
1: But it feels like it it was uh, um, a week in course, but it felt like there was a sort of gravitation. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Or or destiny.
2: yeah, if I was uh, if I was giving an inspiring keynote on 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 career management, I would probably call it zigzag. Um, but yeah, you know, it, you was, <laughs> it wasn't.
1: <laughs> I'm um, sorry. But, but 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 I would have asked a different question. Richie said, you know, well, uh, you know, good choice not to go to the New York Times and go into marketing. I mean, w- w- good choice, good decision. Yes, because, yes. But where else would you want to be? So let, let's talk a bit about marketing because honestly, Russell, nobody has a better purview of people, the brands, the dynamics, the new. And, and so I, I recently I've heard two very different opinions. One is marketing's knackered, you know, it's low, <laughs> low regard and low respect in the boardroom. You know, we're not keeping up with data and tech and AI and getting left behind, colouring in function, blah, blah, blah. And then I found myself yesterday saying, never been a better time. Marketing's getting involved in strategic conversations like culture and diversity and inclusion and becoming the engine of growth post-pandemic. Um, and in many cases is becoming the CEO's right-hand person, never been a better time. So what, what what's the reality from what you see about where, where is marketing at?
2: Oh, if I can sit a little bit on the fence, I think the answer is yes, or, or both things are a, a little bit right. Um, I think the one thing that has pervaded my time at Marketing Week is exactly as you described at the beginning, uh, Mark, is this sense that, it's a sense of foreboding. It's a sense of you know uh, people staring at their uh, staring at their navel, saying marketing's impact and influence is is just no longer what it actually uh, was. And I think that to a degree, uh, in large part, is actually true. I think one of the biggest issues in marketing right now is trust. I don't mean trust uh, in the way uh, trust from a, a consumer perspective, although that's an issue. It's trust that people like cfos and ceos have in marketing i mean correct me if i'm wrong and it isn't the case with everybody but i've seen enough reports uh, i've I've spoken to enough people uh, to say that uh, or to conclude that um, there isn't the same kind of level of uh, trust in what a marketer can do and that's being uh, eroded over a, a large uh, over those ten years, I think I think to a degree that's absolutely true. I mean, there's loads of different reasons for it. Again, I get this from reports, but I also get it from just observing and analyzing in myself. I think the the way that marketing success is communicated is an issue um, in terms of people looking at what ultimately might be meaningless marketing metrics as opposed to marketing's contribution to business outcomes. So I think uh, there is a, a responsibility of marketers to be better. I think you know, my colleague Mark Ritson talks a lot about the prominence of tactics over strategy and everything that's happened in my well 10, 12 years now in marketing at uh, marketing week um, as 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 sort of pointed towards that you know the uh, there's loads of ways and loads of new ways to execute uh, there's loads of new tactical toys and i think there's been a greater focus on that than strategy and that again has eroded confidence and also the ability or the sense of what marketing is in the boardroom and the sense of what marketers are have the potential to be and do. So I think there's all sorts of contributing factors, but it does come down to trust. Um, Now to sort of give some kind of Philip, it's early morning. I think you're right. I think the thing is marketers, I think, need confidence. Uh, They need to address some of those issues, but they need to have confidence because the power to transform, particularly, you know, right now, when nobody had any sense, well, about two years ago, eighteen months ago, when nobody really had a sense of precedence and a barometer um, and any bl- blooming clue what was actually going on, marketing was really well placed, uh, both to be attuned to customer sentiment but also to lead the recovery. I mean, there's no function that you know is responsible for behaviour change it has to be across macroeconomic factors. Um, is able to uh, discover um, in, in a way that marketing can and the skills that marketers have around curiosity and empathy. So it is a moment in time here, but I think marketers perhaps need to realize that and have the confidence to know what they're capable of because otherwise, all of those other factors are going to, you know, I've just, I just sort of meant that marketing is defined. I mean, not everywhere. I have to stress, not everywhere. Uh, there's plenty of really great, uh, examples of people that are leading in their organizations. But there's also uh, plenty of other examples where other people are defining the narrative of what marketing is and you know, whether or not it be executors of their strategy, colouring in, etc. So I think to a degree, um, they need to be better at metrics and they need to be better at defining what marketing is, but also just have confidence in what they can do and the value that they offer. And this is a moment, but it'll only be realized uh, if they get some of those kind of fundamentals around um, metrics and and communicating sex success in a more effective way. So I could talk about this stuff forever, but.
0: It's it's a super, super relevant point of view to be honest with you, Russell. And I I do agree wholeheartedly that it is a real moment in time. um, and, And we do need to face up the, um, you know some of the cynicism and some of that uh, pushback that we get and confidence and uh, is going to be key to that confidence skills deliverables you know proving that we proving the worth of what we do um, as you t- talk about metrics uh, is, is absolutely key and um, mm-hmm. on a bit of a related note Richard Brown asks a great question here so do you think it's good for marketing that we now have these oracles like Ritson, Sharp Gary Vee, uh, Les Burnett, um, Bob Hoffman, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that's a good thing for us, that we have got our own set of influencers? Yeah.
2: Um, I can't, I'm not necessarily with all of the examples that were given uh, there, but um, let, let, let me start on comfortable ground. I mean, Mark uh, is obviously someone I know very well. Um, Mark, in many ways, is the... An embodiment of uh, a lot of what we try to do at Marketing Week, I and mean, when we are a, a, a magazine that is ultimately there to help people become more influential and more impactful, and I guess we do that in two ways: we we uh, we celebrate success and we analyze what good looks like, and we also uh, critically analyze uh, bad practice and what's going wrong. Now, Mark is generally associated with the latter, but actually if people look at his work in the round, is also very much about the former as well. So obviously, Mark, I would point to as somebody who can actually help uh, with that ultimate objective of marketing, me. but what should be the ultimate objective of all marketers, which is to uh, gain greater influence in their organisation, which in itself will deliver greater impact. So Mark, absolutely, as an influencer, is is a good thing, and people should look to him. But I would say that, wouldn't I? But I mean, as for the other people, of course, I mean, people like um, Les and Byron Sharp are, you know, they're, they're delivering evidence. I mean, people can choose to ignore that evidence, but they're delivering evidence of what works and why, and how therefore to be more effective. So people should look at those, whether or not they look at them as oracles, that's, elevating them to, uh, to 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 a higher degree but um as help you know because they're doing the work that enables people to look and find out what works and what doesn't so you absolutely look at people like that I'm not going to get drawn into a conversation about Gary Vaynerchuk oh I
0: was waiting for the
2: whole question yeah <laughs> oh, listen I don't I don't know Gary Vaynerchuk a lot of my opinion on Gary Vaynerchuk is sort of uh, delivered by others I mean everybody. Uh, uh, watching will probably be aware of what Mark said about him um I I do remember though sorry I said I wasn't going to get drawn but I, I I I never heard of Gary Vaynerchuk but I heard him speak at a conference goodness ages ago um I think I was just reporting then and um uh he came on and he was I'm not going to swear because it's early um but you know he was all bluster uh, this is that, this is that, blah, blah, blah. And he was so confident, talking about confident earlier on, that I was scribbling down notes thinking, this guy is great. I then went back um, uh, to uh, to transcribe uh, what he said, and I could not find a news line. I'm going to leave it at that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We, 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 uh, we can read between those lines uh, all the way there, Russell. Thank you. So um, you, you mentioned Mark, uh, and I think Mark... It, it, he's still a practitioner, he's still, he still consults, he's still involved, he still loves the craft, and so I think he talks with substance and experience. But he, he also is fun. He's, he mm. must be fun to work with. And so on, on the point of fun, do you think marketing is, through your the, the years that you've been watching over it, more, more fun or less fun to be in as a profession? Oh, goodness.
2: Um, again, I suppose uh, as an outside looking in, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, as, is, as i think i probably illustrate i'm not a practitioner um but i suppose it is more fun um although that has to be qualified i think um there's so not necessarily within my lifetime but but uh, i think the influence of uh, some of the great technological advancements and uh, innovations have come and come to fruition in marketing uh, during my time and i suppose i'm looking at things like Um, The iPhone, Facebook, Instagram, those shiny tools of execution that have really come to the fore. And that provides all sorts of opportunities to reach and engage. So there is more at the disposal of marketers. Of course, it has to be overseen by good strategic sense, but there is more opportunity to reach and engage. Whether or not that's fun, I don't know. It depends how you get your kicks, I suppose, but there is a lot more going on. Now, um, uh, fun or or as an industry, it is absolutely, you know, one thing I, I don't want to spend, uh, or at least I don't want to dwell on is, is, is problems in marketing because uh, marketing is just, an, a a career, a profession, where you can achieve so much. There's very few uh, uh, positions, I I suspect, in any organisation where you have so many fingers, so much potential, so much ability, potentially, to transform an organisation. And that should never... I don't know whether or not it's more fun or more possible now, but it's certainly um, something that people should remember always.
0: So we've, um, we've talked pretty much about sort of almost half your role at Cento, because clearly uh, you head up Marketing Week, but also the Festival of Marketing. So for those who are the uninitiated, it is pretty much like the Oscars of the marketing industry that happens uh, pretty annually. And it's, and it's an amazing marketing get together event over a couple of days where it really is the who's who that comes together um, to share insight knowledge and I'm sure be recognized. Um, but clearly that hasn't happened in a face-to-face way over the last couple of years. Now, what I want to get your take. What's the future of in-person events? Oh, goodness. Um, I think there is definitely
2: a future. Absolutely. Uh, because there is various things. I mean, I only took on the festival of marketing um, just after the pandemic. So I've only realized festival in digital form. Um, so I think, uh, the nuts and bolts of, of, of how to put on a good event aren't particularly different from a content perspective but the delivery of it is obviously massively uh, different so there is absolutely a future I think um, there are various things that we've all realized and I'm sure you two um, have experienced this as well that you cannot do or replicate in person Um I, I suppose in to some degree it calls back to what we were talking about earlier about working in the office, you have to take advantage of that space, though. You have to realise the possibility and the potential of being in a room with people. Um, so I think there is, a, f- there is a, a obviously a future, and people will go back to it. There's also a future for festival in digital form alongside that as complementary as a continuing drumbeat, and we're looking at that right now. Um, but absolutely in person. And it comes down to, yes, uh, the opportunity to gather with peers, uh, the opportunity to share uh, that experience with other people. Um, And as I say, I think you can perhaps be a little cleverer when we do return um, in full to live in-person events, a little bit cleverer about what you, as I say, use that opportunity for Um, it events uh, in person were quite tran- transactional, quite um, two way. You know, you, there was a, a session on stage and people watched it and then they moved on to the next one. Maybe there is something more that you can do while you have people's attention. Um, and uh, I think that needs to be explored as well.
0: Thanks. Thank
1: you. Yeah, it's, it's dynamic, isn't it? As you say, I think we're, we're still learning. Um, it's 8.40, uh, so uh, we're nearly out of time, but time for one last question from all your wealth of experience through your life's journey and indeed not in the marketing world, as as people are trying to figure out their careers, particularly people trying to get into the industry or at the beginning, what what would your advice be, Russell, in terms of how people think about planning their career journeys?
2: Well, (laughs) I suppose as I've... uh... Illustrated perfectly. I think a plan might be a, a good idea um, as opposed to just drifting from a rather nomadic career existence. Um, so I think absolutely. Um, uh, I, I think if I'm thinking, well, twofold, and I, I think the advice would probably be uh, the, the same. If you're thinking about a particular career or a career is throw yourself into it. As I said, I came to journalism late. And perhaps that helped me, um, but what it did do is, is focus my mind, and I and I did everything that I possibly could to understand what was required of me, to understand what I could offer people, and that just came yes from hard work, but also just uh, learning its context as well, um, and I think that's for marketers as well. Understand um, understand what you can offer, and understand the industry um, uh, that will help you in your path. Um, so. In the interest of time i won't uh i won't extend on that but just uh, yeah have a plan but also just kind of throw yourself in, in into it understand what you can offer but also what it can offer you as well
0: awesome russell well look let me try and do a job of summarizing some of the key themes that i've heard this morning um so, and then I'll pass over to Mark for his closing remarks as well. First of all, absolute joy and pleasure to have you on, Russell. It really has been. Love sharing about your journey and I've learned so much about you. In fact, um, more commonalities between us than I, than I first ever envisaged um, besides the envy of that amazing beard that one day I aspire to have as well. So, if <laughs> you get there. But look, uh, beyond that, let me just kind of um, highlight a few key things. The first thing I think, which was, you know, you talked about maybe have a plan but I actually think maybe not um, in many ways, because the way that what epitomizes your career is the ability to get to the heights of, of chief editor of the largest trade magazine, you know, trade uh, publication in marketing by not having a plan is actually pretty remarkable in itself. So there you go. Right. Dairy manager to editor in chief um, and, and and done so in, in a very short space of time post that pivot moment. Um, but what, what I find really interesting is the fact that you you did decide to follow your path, um, although perhaps a little bit later on when you started on that journey. And I think that's credit to you, and it's and it's actually inspiration to all of us who maybe are sitting or s- sitting in a role right now. We're kind of going, "Damn, I don't want I don't want to be here," um, and we can choose another way. And it's that inflection point that you had, which I think I would ask anybody else to have as well at that moment. If that if that's what's going through their mind, to really try and make that change. Um, I also felt that's kind of interesting in a role like yours where you do have to you know really be kind of be seen with the who's who and not, not be seen but rather be kind of engaged with the who's who um, and, and it's you know you've been able to, you know, you've had to sort of almost change your mindset to kind of get out of your comfort zone to be comfortable while being able to do that um, with a, I love the phrase that you said you know leave, have a dollop of yourself that's left at home and I thought that that sort of confession around the whole concept around you know whole self and how you kind of separate home and life was really insightful. And I actually think I I totally agree with it as well. So we're on the same page as Seth Gordon, which can't be a bad thing, right? Um, You know, getting around uh, to do things later on, as we we mentioned, um, you talked about marketing having some great potential as an industry as well. And I think that is absolutely true. There's no better space to make a massive impact. So all all those marketers who are potential people who want to get in the industry, please try and do so. And I think, I think, Russell, your final piece around throwing yourself in with both feet, if it's something that you really want to achieve and get into, is really great advice for anybody who's looking to, to come in and have a place within our space. So um, just once again, Russell, been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'll pass over to Mark.
1: Yeah, thank you, Russell. Um, first off, you, you win the award for the um, best vocabulary. Um, I had to look up misanthrope. Uh, and so for those who don't know what that is and I didn't, uh, Russell said he's not a misanthrope, which means he, he doesn't deliberately avoid humanity or something along those lines. You, you also, as I said, you do win the award for the for the best uh, best props. Um, and it was interesting that it was your obsession with magazines that essentially led to the career you had. And I think there's a lovely thread there, even if it was a meandering one, but that is such a wonderful metaphor for nearly everybody we have on the show, that careers are squiggly things. Um, and don't follow a straight line path. Um, I appreciate that you spoke openly about anxiety uh, that I think we've all had, if we're being honest, through these last couple of years, and in general is an undercurrent for all of us. I think it's anxiety that is there as a driver. I don't know the brain chemicals side of it all, but it's a driver for many of us to to push ourselves on. Uh, And so you showed lots of vulnerability. You mentioned confidence a few times. Confidence comes from doing well, um, and also confidence is what drives trust. Although in the case of some people, overconfidence mentioning no names uh, might have the opposite impact. But we we, we won't read between a, too many lines on that one. Um, honestly, Russell, it's been a pleasure. You're, you're a genuinely nice person. I'm reminded of what Rich said about um, it's got a big bushy beard underneath, which is a person who cares deeply about the people in the industry. Um, you talked about bringing your your whole self. Uh, it, it's just uh, it's just been a lovely experience, and I'd like to thank you again for being being so open, for being accepting of turning the tables a bit and you being in the spotlight and for all the great support you've given for the School of Marketing. I think it's just been a, a thoroughly pleasant conversation with a really, really nice, genuinely humble and honest person. So thank you very much, Russell. And I hope everybody's enjoyed it. We're getting some, so Jessica, thank you, Russell. Love listening to your story. Um, Claire Foster, I have the last issue of Smash Hits, Treasure Possession. Oh, there you go. You could have a side conversation. Yeah,
2: I, I'm getting into t- touch with Claire and we can compare, um, we can compare back copies of Smash Hits
1: yeah no it's uh, it's been brilliant to have you on and so have a great weekend and uh thank you for your time russell it's been much appreciated
2: the pleasure is all mine and thanks to everybody uh, that uh, that watched and you guys take care
1: Yeah, russell well we'll see everybody else uh, same time same place next week have a fantastic weekend whatever the weather and see you very soon